You're listening to the Greeks Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ethan Haristadulu. I am the host of the Greeks Gridiron. It is Monday, April 26, 2021, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, new show time for those of you that missed the announcement on our social medias. I'm excited about this new show time. I think it provides a really good opportunity for myself and everyone else that'll be involved in the show. Um, One of the big reasons for me for changing everything up was just between my actual work life and this uh, and school, my, my afternoons are free more, my early mornings are kind of busy with work, so... I was kind of mulling this idea for the last couple of weeks, and I'm definitely far happier with where we are with this start time. I have so much prepared for you guys. I'm wicked excited for today's show. So let's get into it, shall we? Uh, There is a lot going on in the NFL right now. We are... Yeah, just over three days away. It's like three days and three hours until the start of the 2021 NFL draft. And man, is there a lot going on. Uh, I mean, there's 49ers quarterback conversations, things me and talked about. Um, The 49ers actually just held a kind of draft pre-draft press conference, I guess you'd call it, uh, just like, like an hour or so ago. They talked about a few things there. Uh, And like the the future of Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of where they're looking to draft, obviously not going to give up any secrets as to who they're trying to pick and things like that. Um, There's some stuff on Aaron Rodgers we're going to talk about. I'm breaking down the Packers draft and kind of where they should be looking as we head into that. Uh, And then there's a bunch of other things as well, just kind of some smaller stuff that we'll mention and make note of as well. So we'll start things off first with the question of the day. Uh, There's so much quarterback talk for those top five picks in the draft this year, whether it's the first three being you know, guaranteed at this point that they're going to be quarterbacks and then people not really sure what's going to happen with picks four and five. It seems like any pick that is not in the top three is up for grabs at this point and potentially going to be used on a quarterback or somebody on the offensive side of the football. I want to ask you guys, who is the best non-quarterback prospect in this draft that you would like to see your team take if your team's not in the market for a quarterback. Um, for me personally, and, I, and I'm sure a lot of people would argue this as well, uh, I'm definitely not alone in this one here. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. I, I, if I was to pick somebody, if I had to pick someone and say, you know, who's wearing a yellow jacket at the end of their career, Kyle Pitts just seems like the most NFL-ready you know, prospect out of anyone that's in this draft. He is so good in such a dominant catcher. He can block fairly well. I, you know, I think that if there's anyone that's like a surefire pick that's going to pan out well, it's got to be Kyle Pitts, in my opinion. There are a few other people you can, of course, argue for that position. But for me, it's Kyle Pitts. I love the Florida prospect, man. He is just so good, so talented. I'm excited to see him potentially change the tight end game and maybe and just evolve it further to what it's already starting to become, which is more of like a, a pass-heavy block when necessary type guy, but that, you know, really starting to become a receiving threat in the NFL. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. Now, getting into the meat of things. Uh, first things first, we're going to talk about the 49ers and kind of what they're looking to do with the NFL draft. Uh, it just got, this was, I think, posted uh, yesterday that apparently the 49ers are at this point deciding over Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Now, I'm a little bit surprised Justin Fields isn't in the conversation. We talked about this of like about a week ago, I want to say, where I put Justin Fields as the number two quarterback in this draft. I think he is just so athletic, so talented, and, you know, it, I, there's just so much about him to like. I, and, you know, 
I'm a little confused as to how he slipped so hard. I guess it just has to do with how the teams are evaluating. And, you know, I, I was reading about just the arguments for some of the other quarterbacks to maybe grasp like a better understanding of it all. You know, Zach Wilson had a fantastic year this past season. Um, he's rated like the high, like um, per like PFF, he had like the highest grade for a quarterback. So, I mean, there's strong arguments for why, you know, there's kind of like a switch up going on right now. Uh, I know the 49ers are enamored at the athleticism that Trey Lance brings, but then also the ability to just memorize a playbook that people were talking about the photographic memory of Mac Jones. You know, it, it's all starting to make sense as to why he may or may not have slipped. Uh, the epilepsy thing got brought up with Justin Fields last week. That's so that's, I'm assuming that I don't think it should, but I'm assuming it may hurt his draft stock a little bit. I don't think personally it should, but I could see it maybe potentially affecting that as well. Uh, and it just seems like more and more is coming out through the quarterback evaluation process uh, to like about, quarterbacks like Mac Jones and Trey Lance that, you know, for so long, Justin Fields was the number two guy, but now, you know, he's looking at potentially being like the number four or five guy out of the top five prospects. So I was doing a little bit of digging because I wanted to really kind of figure this all out. And I have some quotes for you guys that I can read out. It, it kind of shapes and gives you a better understanding as to why. And then I'll kind of break down the two quarterbacks that they're interested in. And, you know, we can kind of make sense of what's going on here. So Kyle Shanahan, specifically himself, and this is uh, this is all per Ian Rappaport, um, what he, he brought up the whole 49ers looking at Jones and Trey Lance, and this is kind of where the whole thing started. Kyle Shanahan actually asked specifically that Trey Lance work with quarterback John Beck. Now, he's been training Trey Lance for a handful of months now. For those of you that are not aware of what happened, essentially, Trey Lance played one game in the fall for North Dakota State and then stepped away to get himself ready for the draft itself, and he's been working with John Beck. Now, these are quotes from John Beck specifically coming out of a KNBR interview where, you know, just these are some of the bits that I pulled out that I thought were really interesting that I felt, you know, really kind of explained everything here and, and gave us a good understanding of why they're singling out these two quarterbacks for their choice. Uh, so the first quote, Kyle wants somebody that can understand his offense, that can process information quickly, that can see the field through a lens that makes sense for him to be able to coach and for you to have to see it how he sees it. So that right there just screams Mac Jones to me. And that seems like a, you know, photographic memory. That was one of the things that got brought up. He had a very strong understanding of the Alabama playbook. And some people attribute part of his success to just how well of an understanding he had of the playbook. So, you know, right there, like, in, like immediately as I read that, I was like, oh, okay. So that Mac Jones kind of hits that nail right on the head right there. Then he goes on. Another quote, he's really particular about the feet of his quarterback, the eyes of his quarterback's positioning, and he looks for traits and abilities. And then a little bit of a longer one here, he's looking for an athletic quarterback. I think, oh, anybody with athleticism would fit. Kyle doesn't need a Lamar Jackson athlete. He needs somebody athletic enough to run the keeper game, to be able to move off the spot, and then in the play pass game, to be able to move enough selling the actions, and if there is any pressure, quickly move and still be able to drive every single throw to all levels of the field. So that right there screams Trey Lance, somebody who's athletic, has a cannon of an arm, can throw on the run. Um, and, and it's funny because when you read those two things, it's like it hits on strengths of the quarterback and then weaknesses of the other. So that first quote, you know, the, 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 just the understanding of what the coach wants, the playbook, you know, the, the system type thing that he's looking for, you get that from Mac Jones. And then when you're talking about the athleticism, the quarterback that can, you know, if a play breaks down, move around a little bit and still be able to fire the football, and, you know, and run that offense he's looking to run, that screams Trey Lance. 
Then when we go further into kind of like the breakdown here, I'm, I like I, I pulled the numbers and just kind of some of the evaluation things that I've seen off of them. When you look at Mac Jones, somebody who's smart, he's accurate, even under pressure still has the accuracy. He had a 77.4% completion percentage last year. That's crazy. Almost 80%, almost, not quite, but almost there. That's nuts. Um, he had the best completion percentage within 10 yards in the entire country for all quarterbacks ranked. And then on top of that, the photographic memory thing that everyone keeps talking about that they seem to be enamored with after he got him, you know, had some conversations with coaches and staff that were interviewing him during his pro days. Then when you flip it to over to Trey Lance, the guy had 28. He didn't play this past season, great. He played one game, uh, but the season prior, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. You know, he had a solid 66.9%, so 67% completion percentage. This is all 2019 numbers. He didn't play a season this past year. Um, he has all the physical traits you'd want in a quarterback, you know, the 6'4, 224 pounds, but he can still move around uh, on top of that athletic cannon of, the, cannon of an arm. You know, he's a great decision maker. His accuracy was very, you know, not the worst, not the best but a very solid very strong decision maker especially when things break down and also the big thing not being afraid to push the football down the field when you think of how people talked about quarterbacks when you look at somebody like um Tua Tagovailoa uh you know a lot of people criticize him for being afraid to push the football down the field that's something that you know quarterbacks have a hard time adjusting with is windows that do and don't look open compared to how they looked in college when they get into the NFL that was something that Tua has been criticized a lot for uh so somebody that's not afraid to attack the football down the field maybe throw into those coverages that you know don't look open when you're in college but they're open in the NFL because the athletes catching the ball are just so much better so when you when you look at this, it, it, it makes a lot of sense why they're targeting these two guys specifically. Um, you, you know, I, I think Justin Fields fits some of the things they're looking for here. Um, it's unfortunate that kind of like tailspin his draft stock has gone, which isn't massive. It's not like a huge thing, but it's enough that it's dropping him into almost like the four or five position now of these quarterbacks. Um, I, I can kind of get a better understanding though, breaking some of that stuff down as to why they're singling out Mac Jones and Trey Lance as their two guys. Now, is there a possibility that they just flipped the script and this was all BS and they're literally going to take Justin Fields with the number three pick? Like, of course that could be the thing. Um, yeah, the way I see it is all five of these top five QBs that everyone's kind of stressing over and looking at here, I think are legitimate guys with legitimate opportunity to be successful in the NFL. It's ultimately going to boil down to being in the right system with the right staff, you know, with the right players around them. You know, that's going to be the boiling point for it all. I mean, for all we know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but for all we know, Trevor Lawrence, the, the, the number one guy could be a complete bust and be gone out of the league in three years. And the rest of these four guys could have been the guy that you should have went for. You know, you never know in the NFL. Uh, you think back of past number one quarterbacks, Ryan Leaf is one of them, kind of, you know, big bust. He went number two, not number one, but number two, still a really high pick guy that same draft Manning came out of, obviously didn't amount to much in the NFL. Someone like Jamarcus Russell, who was like a complete flop and whiff, somebody who went over Calvin Johnson in that same draft, like unbelievable when you say something like that out loud. Uh, so you never know how this is going to work out, but after kind of, you know, dissecting this a little bit and really looking at it, I can understand more as to why the 49ers are targeting Trey Lance or Mac Jones. Uh, if I was to pick one of the two myself personally, um, I think the best fit for what the 49ers want is going to be Mac Jones. And this isn't a knock to Trey Lance, but my biggest kind of like pointer for this is that 
uh, before the 49ers landed Jimmy Garoppolo, they were really, really looking to try to pull in Kirk Cousins before he ended up signing that like three-year completely guaranteed deal with Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins was kind of like the ideal system QB that Kyle Shanahan was looking for. This is very well noted and every, and you know, everyone knows this. So when you look at like the physical traits, like Mac Jones, not necessarily the most athletically gifted and physically, you know, present guy that you'd see, but he, you know, he's a system guy. He's very accurate. Everyone knocks him for being in such a good system at Alabama, but like that kind of translates. You're in a fantastic system going to the NFL. If you're going to a fantastic system from there, you have the experience of a somewhat pro style. You know, I, 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 I feel like Mac Jones fits a little bit better with what Kyle Shanahan might be looking for. But honestly, there is so much upside with Trey Lance. You know, you have a small sample size of what he can do, but he was impressive it could it could go either way. I think Mac Jones might be a slightly better fit just based off of Kyle Shanahan's past quarterbacks and kind of what he was looking for prior to Jimmy G on the 49ers. And that's just kind of how I look at the whole thing. But a lot, a lot of interest in the first three picks in the draft. And man, the 49ers pick has been quite the hot topic. Now, staying on quarterbacks for this one here, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, funny enough, I literally saw this come out, I want to say maybe five, six, seven minutes before the show actually started. Um, a lot of questions about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. This is like a very unsettled type of marriage right now. It's very noncommittal. People are trying to figure out why A-Rod hasn't gotten the uh, extension that everyone feels he deserves to be on that team for another four years or so. I mean, he just won the MVP, led the league in touchdowns. I mean, he was he almost broke the passer rating record. Like, I mean, he was looking so good all season long, especially after them, you know, picking a quarterback of the future, trading up into the first round to pick Jordan Love last year. Uh, so many questions and literally no answers to it all. So uh, one thing that I pulled up here as I was literally sitting down to get the show rolling, Guta Kunst, uh, the GM of the Packers there, went out and said that they're working through things with Aaron Rodgers and his contract. Uh, he is the quarterback for them and for the, at least the foreseeable future for the next couple of years. That was the big thing I pulled out of the quote. He said couple of years. Uh they don't necessarily have to extend Aaron Rodgers for him to be around the next couple of years. That's a big piece of that quote right there. His contract runs through 2023 and you know, there's some solid outs for him to not be there in the next year or couple of years. Uh, you know, I was really looking over all this and how it would work out. Uh, if there's, any time for Aaron Rodgers to be gone from Green Bay, I'm going to look at probably next year. I don't think they would wait the full two years to get Aaron Rodgers out of there if they don't want to keep him. Um, if, you, if you look at the numbers and the way this works out, if the Packers decide next year to trade Aaron Rodgers, they're going to get a dead cap number of about 17.2 mil, and it falls to 2.8 the following year, but I just feel like they wouldn't hold on to him to that long. You know, you, you cut that number in half, that 17.2, you spread it out over two years like you can with the dead cap number money. Um, um, and they're ultimately taking like a eight, it's like 8.75 or roughly hit on the cap there. So there is a strong out for them coming up within the next year to just trade him away. There's a lot of suitors, uh, insider Jason Lock and four. He was talking about this, uh, the other day gave a pretty solid list of nine teams who would be after Rogers in early 2022. Should he be available? Uh, I think in my honest opinion, there's probably 20 teams that could go after Aaron Rodgers, but these teams, when he listed them out, are probably the most likely of them, barring two of them that I kind of disagree with. Now, the first one being Broncos. They need a QB. 
possibility if somebody slips, they're going to try to take one in this draft. The Saints, obviously, they don't seem super committed on the QBs they have there in Winston and Taysom Hill. That's going to be you know, a quarterback battle there going through the preseason as we head into the actual season. So curious to see how that goes there. But you know, that's somebody that if either of those guys don't work out, they're right in the hunt for Aaron Rodgers next year. The Seahawks with the drama and Russell Wilson, if he ends up going, he also has an out out of the team where if they trade him next year, it's for a lot less dead money. They can spread it over the two years. He could get moved and then imagine them just pulling in Aaron Rodgers. That would be a wild thing to see. Uh, on top of that, the Giants, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out this year, big prove-it year for him. The Patriots obviously still in their quarterback carousel looking for somebody to be the replacement for Tom Brady. The Dolphins, uh, you know, there's been a lot of speculation on their actual commitment to Tua. Obviously, it seems like right now they're committed to it, but if Aaron Rodgers is at your doorstep, are you going to shut the door and tell him, sorry, we have Tua? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers looks like he could play for another four or five years, and that Dolphins team trending upward after their 10-6 and year last year. Washington football team's another one. Uh, I'm amongst the group that thinks that Washington's a really good quarterback away from seriously contending in the NFC. That defense is young. The pass rush is so damn good. There's just so much you can look at as far as that team goes and be happy with and just say, man, if they had a quarterback... They brought in Curtis Samuel, too. Like, that team could be so good if they had somebody like Aaron Rodgers tossing the rock there. Um, and then the two unlikely that are on the list, and he noted this as unlikely teams as well, but they are quarterback market teams. Um, the Bears, and then if the Vikings don't end up keeping Kirk Cousins. Uh, that's kind of how that... Obviously, NFC North Division rivals, you know, I would be shocked if Green Bay just turned around and they sent their quarterback to a division rival to have to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Uh, I don't think so. There's no way Green Bay would do that to themselves, no matter how confident they are in whoever ends up replacing Aaron Rodgers there. Um, but there's obviously some sort of disagreement here. Everyone kind of assumed when it was first announced they were working on extension, it would be done at least, I mean, not somewhat quickly, but when everyone heard that, they were like, okay, the Packers realized we need to keep Aaron Rodgers around, but here we just roll through the offseason and nothing has really been done. So who knows what could really happen? Uh, you know, a wild situation. If Aaron Rodgers has another phenomenal year next year, maybe a potential MVP year again, they could trade Jordan Love to a team that doesn't get their quarterback this offseason. Uh, you know, I don't know how high other teams are on Jordan Love. Obviously, the Packers were enough to trade into the first round for him. I remember, you know, leading into the draft last year, a lot of people saying that Jordan Love is somewhat comparable to Patrick Mahomes in terms of like the potential with the the ability to make the play on the run, the backyard style football, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think he's as accurate as Patrick Mahomes, though. I think he's a little bit more of an erratic quarterback. You know, the pre-draft comparisons are always, you know, just a, who does this guy kind of look like at the college level? I don't think I'd compare him to Aaron, uh, Aaron, not, excuse me, not Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, but you know, the, the comparisons were there with that whole backyard style of play and that, you know, the ability to just kind of launch the football at any angle type deal. So there's a lot you could look at that. Um, obviously, again, the big uh, the big thing, Gunta Kuhn's just coming out not too long ago saying that Aaron Rodgers is their guy is, you know, kind of big for the whole scenario. But again, that ending of the quote for the next couple of years, couple meaning two, at least that's the definition or how you're supposed to look at that. His contract runs for two more years. They don't have to extend him for him to be around the next couple of years. And I just, I don't know, with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, I've seen some people say he could dangle the retirement thing in front of them. I don't buy Aaron Rodgers retiring. That Just not a chance. 
Uh, but that's kind of how I'm looking at the Packers situation. I don't see him being there beyond next year. It seems like this is a marriage that, you know, is kind of done, you know, the refusal to build around him and get him a piece outside of, you know, Devontae Adams. If they had a second number, like even just a strong number two guy, man, that offense would just hum and be so good. But it's like, it's Devontae Adams and a list of who's who after that, that are just kind of plug and play guys that do a good job, but they don't take the attention away from Devontae Adams like a true number two wide receiver does. Like when you look at somebody like a pairing of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, that type of deal. Or like if Odell Beckham's healthy, you have Odell and Jarvis Landry, you know, a legit duo that can, you know, one star can really shine while the other one's really good when that star is being double, triple covered, whatever it is the defense is doing, rolling the coverage in their direction. What a mess. That's all I got to say. That whole Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay thing, what a mess. What a mess. <laughs> um, outside of the mess that is the Green Bay Packers right now, uh, the Chiefs, they've been doing awesome, man. This has been a great offseason for them, in my opinion. The big pressing need they had going into this offseason was that offensive line. Everyone watched the Super Bowl. We all saw what happened to them playing against that Tampa Bay pass rush. Tampa Bay brought back the entire unit again to just kind of continue their little reign of terror they had going on to finish off the back half of that season. They didn't lose a game after the meeting they had with the Chiefs in the season. So now what did they need? They needed tackles. They needed guards. You know, they, they needed all this stuff. They, they completely just dumped everyone from their offensive line and they did a solid job restructuring that O-line. When you're looking at, um, you know, Orlando Brown, they just brought in for the Ravens. They traded the uh, 31st pick, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, a fifth round, and, and a fifth rounder, excuse me, in 2022. And then they were able to pull in. And this is such a, this is surprising to me because, you know, Orlando Brown showed up as one of the better left tackles in the NFL last season, filling in for Ronnie Staley. Um, the Ravens ended up handing over Brown a second round pick, pick number 58, um, and then a 2022 sixth round pick. I'm kind of shocked that they were able to package some deal where they were giving up picks. Yes, but they also got picks in return, you know, a, a lot of moving pieces right there. And I'm curious to see if, like, or just, I'm just curious in general, if the, the chiefs could have gotten away with trading away less picks and just taking in Brown. I mean, you know, if, if the picks turn out to work in their favor, fantastic, but, uh, I mean, I understand, you know, giving up a, the first round pick you want, you know, some sort of compensation to still be able to pick for that. And the second round pick is there. I just, I don't know. I feel like just making a straight up play for Orlando Brown and working off that would have been the idea, but either way, completely reworked the O-line on top of Orlando Brown. They signed Joe Tooney and they also brought in recently unretired guard, Kyle Long, who, you know, when he was playing was a very solid guy, left football mainly because he wasn't happy anymore. He did a whole interview about that on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, and, you know, he kind of explained how he just wasn't feeling right about football and he's excited to be back in the best shape of his life. If he ends up playing just as good or even better being in as good of a shape as he seems to be, I mean, that Chiefs offensive line is looking reworked, stacked up, and that offense is just going to be clicking like no other because the downfall of Kansas City wasn't Patrick Mahomes, the lack of weapons. It was they could not protect him during that Super Bowl. He's going to have protection now as long as they stay healthy. This Chiefs, The Chiefs team is primed and ready to be the AFC, you know, um, the, the AFC contender for that Super Bowl championship. I, it's just, it's, 
the Chiefs, man, I feel like they're going to be just hunting for that Super Bowl for at least another two or three years minimum. And, you know, just when I'm thinking, man, the Chiefs might take a step back, they somehow were able to bring in three legit guys to almost put together, I guess, an offensive line that on paper should be better than what they just put up this year. And, I mean, the offense was great this year. I don't know, man. It's, it's craziness. Some strong work being done over there in Kansas City. I don't know where they're getting this money from, but they've got something figured out over there. Um, moving forward, though. So this part of the show, we're going to be doing the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about their draft, kind of what they have going on, where they should be looking, um, kind of who I would like to see them take. This is definitely not me saying, you know, they're going to take this person. They're, they, you know, th- These are guys that I think would fit what they're looking for based off of the losses they've had in free agency and kind of the team needs that were showing their head as we went through the entirety of the NFL season this past year. So starting things off, Green Bay Packers, free agent losses. The big ones that I have pulled up on here, Corey Lindsley, their center, right tackle Rick Wagner, and linebacker Christian Kirksey. They lost a few other players, but those are kind of like the big, you know, starting guys that they lost that I think kind of take the biggest hit for the team. Uh, As far as team needs go, I had a hard time with Green Bay because the needs are there. They're not necessarily pressing because they were in the NFC Championship last year, very solid unit, but like they have just kind of needs, but I couldn't really pick one over the other in a couple situations, so I kind of paired them up. Um, the way I look at this, on the offensive side of the football, and this is kind of interchangeable. We just talked about this. Wide receiver, because somebody needs to be playing solid number two reps alongside Devontae Adams and also their center. The loss of, loss of Corey Lindsley is huge. He has been the center there for a while now. Him and Rod, you know, when the quarterback and center relationship, I feel, isn't talked a lot about, but it, it's, it's important. It's huge for them. Uh, you know, and if, if the center and the quarterback are on the same page, the offense just clicks smoother, you know? So center wide receiver kind of interchangeable on importance, but that's kind of like the, the, the number one spot I would give for team need from there. I put the edge and linebacker together. Um, their linebacking core, not particularly impressive edge rushing outside of, um, Outside of uh, Zadarius Smith and the 12 and a half sacks he had last year, uh, everyone else had about five sacks or less. That's not saying that their production wasn't good. They had 41 sacks, which is in the top half of the league. Uh, but the problem is, is you know, Zadarius Smith is the only guy that's just the legit playmaker. Everyone else is like, they'll make a play, you know, every few weeks or so. You want somebody that's a legit threat. When you look at kind of like what Cleveland did, bringing in Jadevian Clowney and Miles Garrett. Clowney's not being brought in to be the number one sack guy, but he has Miles Garrett now on the opposite side of him. A lot of people knock him for not putting up the numbers that he should have been or expected to from based off of where he was drafted. But now he has a guy like young Miles Garrett who's going to be, he is the sack guy on that team. Jadevian Clowney, while he doesn't get the sacks, gets the pressures. That's kind of something you need here in Green Bay as well. If Zadarius Smith can put up another double-digit sacks year and you have somebody paired up with him that's getting close to double digits, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, somebody who's at least getting a sack every other game or so, that's what's going to help improve that pass rush force, you know, it's going to, it's going to speed up the way some of these quarterbacks that are kind of dicing up their secondary, you know, it'll only help a team to have a stronger pass rush. And that's where I kind of look at green Bay. They couldn't really bring pressure too much late into the season. That's, and so, and in the linebacker situation, I feel like green Bay, as long as I, one second. Uh, But outside of that, 
Um, you know, the linebacker is not particularly impressive for them. Um, it's something that they do need to work on. I think that, you know, there's some strong candidates for, you know, pass coverage linebackers in this draft that I think will help improve that second, not secondary, but, you know, dropping back in coverage should help them improve a bit. Uh, and then the last thing I have on the list here, cornerback, um, Jair Alexander, phenomenal guy. He's great. You know, does, does everything you could ask from a cornerback. He is a legit number one guy. But outside of that, it's literally a list of who's who's in the secondary for Green Bay. And that's really where they struggle, in my opinion, when it comes to, you know, they had 11 interceptions last year, okay? 11 interceptions. You hear that and you're like, wow, okay, not bad, not great, not bad, kind of in the middle of the pack there. Um, The cornerbacks specifically combined for two. Jair had one and then the other one coming from Chandon Sullivan. And I don't even know who Chandon Sullivan is. He's like, he's like a a third or fourth string guy, I think, in in that secondary. Uh, You know... Again, st- semi-strong unit, not the worst, but they're not the best. But this is a this is a situation where Green Bay's defense has kind of been the reason they have not made it to the Super Bowl the last couple of years, and is a problem. So they need to work on that. Um, you know, and there's a couple guys they could go after a little bit later in the draft. You know, they're picking kind of late, having played in the NFC Championship. But there's guys that are later in the draft that have good potential that I think would help shore up that secondary a bit. So we'll get into all of that. They have ten total picks to work with, two fourths, fifths, and sixths. Like, I mean, they got ten picks to kind of build a team and just basically reload for this next season. And they need to hit on at least like three or four of them and get some guys that are either legit starters or very strong rotational players. Now. I'm only going to break down the first three rounds because after that, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, I've only been doing this whole like and a very strong air quotes on this quote unquote scouting thing since I started doing the show and I wanted to really kind of get into the nitty gritty of the NFL draft. So as far as my knowledge really extends at this point, it's like some of those first and second round guys, like majority first, second round guys. And like, I'm just now kind of diving deeper into the draft. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend I can mock out 10 picks for the Packers. I can barely put together three rounds here, but I have a good idea based off their three, four defense and kind of what they're doing scheme wise for guys that I think would fit well for them. And they could potentially be in the spots that they're picking. So with round number one, there's a three different guys I have on my, my round number one pick who I think would work well for them and could potentially be there for them. Now, first guy that I have, and this is in no order of importance. This is just like three guys. I didn't, I didn't put like the most important or like, you know, who they should go after first, second, third. This is just three guys in random order. Edge rusher Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Very strong off the jump. He's explosive. He had nine sacks in 2020. Like I mentioned, they need somebody who can get close to double-digit sacks, somebody who can get after the quarterback, produce pressure, but also get to the quarterback and not just leave it up to Sedarius Smith to make all those sacks there. Um, You know, the biggest issue that I kind of came up with him is just the injury history. He retired once because of concussions. He came back, had a stellar season with Miami. Um, If, if, the injury, because assuming the injury scares some teams away, he's potentially going to be there in the late first round, maybe where they pick, maybe not. I could be wrong, but strong opportunity for him to be there. I think improving that pass rush helps everything else. So if I was to organize these three guys, probably go Jalen Phillips first, as long as his injuries, his, like injury history is behind him and it is history at that. You know, I think Jalen Phillips would be a solid guy to throw in for that 3 4. And he would be brushing the edge. So outside, he'd be like, you know, outside linebacker. He wouldn't necessarily be like a Dan. He'd be pushing on the edge there, producing that pressure that they need. Now, as far as linebackers concerned, Nick Bolton, somebody who I think is going to be there, you know, 
fantastic instincts as a linebacker. He's like a tone setter, brick wall kind of guy, you know, a thumper at the linebacking position. Um, the biggest issue that everyone seems to have with him is the lack of speed he has and whether he'll be able to keep up with like the elevating speed that offenses seem to have in the NFL. But he plays the position very well. He has the instincts to be a true linebacker in the NFL, a Mike guy. So I think he would be good for if he's there for them. Uh, the speed thing, you know. Green Bay's made it to the NFC Championship twice already in the last two years. And, you know, if they take a really good linebacker that's not necessarily the fastest in the world, I don't think it'll hurt them. You know, I think that any upgrade at linebacker will be good for Green Bay. The other guy that I like, if they decide to go wide receiver in round one, and everything I've read is that nobody believes the Packers will go wide receiver in round one. They've shown it time and time and again that they just have no no desire to go wide receiver in round number one. I think somebody like Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss would be good for them. He has fantastic hands, only two drops last season. On top of that, he has 10 total drops out of 200 career, and these are like catchable targets. So he's had more targets than this, but this is 200 catchable targets in his range. 10 drops out of 200 passes thrown his way where he should have caught the ball. That's absurd. And then on top of that, you know, he's a tough guy going over the middle, taking shots from some linebackers, things like that. Obviously, they only get bigger and faster and stronger in the NFL, but he's known for his toughness, not afraid to go over the middle. He's got the 4-3 speed. You know, he's small, he's statured, but he doesn't need to be a giant. He doesn't need to be the massive threat. That's Devontae Adams. He is the big body, you know, the big guy, the big wide receiver, the big number one guy. This is a solid compliment number two guy who brings athleticisms, great hands. You know, we've seen some drop passes from some of those second and third string wide receivers there over in Green Bay. This is a guy that I think you could plug in and be a fantastic compliment for the Packers over there in Green Bay. Now, in round number two, uh, as far as people, now, the, the way these picks are kind of worked out is based off of like who they go for in the first round. Now, um, if they don't address linebacker in round one, they decide to go edge or wide receiver, something like that. Somebody I could see them going after is linebacker Jabril Cox out of LSU. This is a guy that, you know, I don't know if he's going to be here, but he's projected to be in the area. Welcome to the show, Jim BZ. I've been doing great. Hope you're doing well. Uh, but, you know, um, I, he's, he's, a, he's the best coverage linebacker in the NFL, or not in the NFL, excuse me, in the NCAA coming out of this draft. So best coverage linebacker only helps improve that pass coverage that they somewhat struggled with last year. Um, the way I see it is if he's there, they should be taking him in the second round. That's if they don't address linebacker in round one, 100% should be taking him for sure. Um, on top of that, center Creed Humphrey, uh, the, the centers outside of, you know, like the top guy that's in the draft, you know, I, the center's a weird one. I don't know if they even need to go in the second round after the centers. I think they might fall a little bit later in the draft, and they might even be able to wait till the third round. But the way I see it is center should be, should be a priority for them, so they might draft center higher than any other team normally would. So I would say somebody like Oklahoma's center Creed Humphrey, 2,488 career snaps in college, zero sacks. That's pass blocking right there. That's somebody you want protecting a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or whoever you think is going to take his place when they decide to boot him out of town because that's what it seems like they're going to do. Uh, he's a three-year starter, so he, you know, he's been, not only is he like he's he, a one great year. No, he's been there his whole career, starting at Oklahoma as the guy, the center for them. Uh, on top of that, um, you know, he he's, he has a skill set that makes him kind of maneuverable. So if 
if he doesn't end up being the starting center, he can play at guard. You know, he, he has the athleticism to kind of move around on the offensive line a little bit, maybe not put him at the tackle position, but you know, there are five positions on the offensive line. If he's handling any of those guards or the center position, that's good. You always want offensive linemen who can be a little bit flexible and interchangeable at where they're playing. The biggest downside I found on him is just that he didn't play well against current NFL caliber, you know, D tackles when they were in college. Uh, two people that came up when I was going through the scouting is Quinn and Williams and Bravey and Roy both dominated him when he did meet up with them while they were still in college. So that's something to kind of look at. The Quinn and Williams one, that was two years ago. So, you know, the way I see that is it's been two years. He's had time to grow and get better. Quinn and Williams was on his way out. So that's one of those things where. I mean, could you really knock him for that if he was, you know, just getting in his first year starting as the center at Oklahoma? You know, you pick and choose that battle. I'm not going to. But um, the other guy that I have listed on here, cornerback, very strong position of need. I don't know if, Ho again, I don't know if Holland's going to be here. This is just like, if he's there, someone like Javon Holland, he has a nose for the football, you know, 11 pass breakups and nine interceptions in the two seasons that he played. On top of that, he has experience at safety as well. So he's a versatile player. And in today's NFL, a lot of teams are playing three safeties. Like that third safety is almost a starter with the way they're playing. Because like some of these sub linebackers and those nickel packages are almost literal safeties. They, you know, they're small smaller in stature. They're not the big thumpers we were used to seeing, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago playing that linebacker. It's not a Brian Erlacher per se. That's a good example right there. You know, they're, they're getting smaller. They're getting faster, more athletic. So this is somebody who's played multiple positions in the defensive backfield. You know, I think he'd be good. You know, the, the he has four, four, six speed. So quick guy, I think solid pick for them. You know, athleticism came up as like his biggest concern overall. Like he's fast, but that's about it. Um, I just think solid guy for the position from Oregon. So obviously brings the speed, but give or take might not be a bad option. If he's sitting there, if they decide to go edge or linebacker in the first round and they're still going after defense. And I, you know, I really don't think they're taking a wide receiver in the first round, but they should, if there's somebody good there available like Elijah Moore, um, moving into the third round though, uh, if they're not going to commit to wide receiver in the first round, and a lot of people assume they're not going to, and I'm amongst that group, Someone like Tylen Wallace should be good. I think he'll be there. He's, you know, he's ranked low enough based off of everything that I've seen from like mock drafts and just like in the ratings from like PFF and other places that like to rank all the, uh, the prospects coming out of the draft. Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State. He's fast. Again, the 4.48 speed. Um, he actually ran a 4.3. He was clocked at least at a 4.39 at the Exos Pro Day. So there's kind of like some conversation as to how fast Tylen Wallace is. But I mean, if you want to kind of meet in the middle there between those two numbers, you're looking at like 4.44, 4.43 speed awesome speed for a wide receiver there. Um, he did have four drops in 2020. So slight concern over hands being an issue. Uh, that's one of those things where does that translate or not into the NFL? It doesn't really, you know, it remains to be seen until they actually get there. But Tylen Wallace, I think would be a good guy. Again, they need somebody who's going to be a solid number two playing alongside Devonte Adams, whether they decide to have Aaron Rodgers there for the next four years or not, whoever is alongside Devonte Adams needs to be a legit number two, because outside of the running backs that they have, there, uh, you know, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, there's no other real receiving threat. The tight end position is still kind of a lost, lost cause. I would say Robert Tanyan looked as good as he did because of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think if you put Jordan Love in there, he plays and has the same season Tanyan just had. I think Tanyan's a good tight end, but I think he's better with Aaron Rodgers is kind of how I look at that. So you have Defonte Adams. You have an empty cupboard of other people behind him catching the football. You need a solid number two. Tylen Wallace could be that guy. Um, 
the biggest like knock that they had for him was his route tree. Again, he does not need to be the best receiver. He needs to just be a threat route, you know, route running and stuff like that can be worked on over time. He can learn from Devonte Adams, who is one of the best route runners in the league. So that kind of like complements the issues that people have with him. I think that would just be a really good fit for them later in that third round area. Uh, and then the other guy that I have for them, I think edge rusher, Patrick Johnson out of Tulane would be really good. The biggest knock for him was just that he played against a low level of competition. He didn't really end up running into any elite offensive tackles, pushing the edges for Tulane. However, I mean, he has great quick hands. He stays low, so he's able to keep really good leverage. The guy has 24 career sacks, 19 QB hits, and 62 hurries in his time playing in college. So this is somebody who's produced. He's able to get pressure. It sounds like his intangibles and his, you know, his technique is pretty solid. It's just one of those things where it, is that going to correlate going into the NFL when he's playing elite level competition better than pretty much anyone he played at college every single week at that point? Because if you're in the NFL, you're probably better than just about everybody who's playing in college at that moment. Um, and that's where I stand on the Green Bay Packers. I fired out a bunch of names, some of the thoughts on them. I'm curious to see you Green Bay Packers fans, what you guys think they should be going after. Uh, like I said, I'm only covering the first three rounds here. I am not the deepest and most well-versed and knowledgeable person on all these draft prospects. Uh, I was learning about a lot of these guys as I was writing this whole thing up. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think, what you want to see your team go after. Uh, do you guys think Green Bay should take a wide receiver in round number one? I would be all for it. I think they should have did it last year, so you might as well run it back and actually do it this year. Uh, there could be some real potential waiting for them, depending on how things shake out in the draft. But what do you Green Bay Packers fans think? Uh, you know, I'm thinking linebacker is probably where they're going to go or edge rusher, if I'm going to take a guess. Linebacker, edge rusher, that's probably where they're going to go. I'm no draft expert, though. Probably going to go. Now, to some other news outside the draft. Um, Julio Jones, the topic of discussion. Is he going to be a Falcon next year or not? Now, the Falcons came out earlier this offseason and came out and flat out said that they were not looking to trade Julio Jones. Since then, have been phoning in the or answering the phone rather not phoning in the calls they're answering the phone calls uh, about potentially trading Julio Jones now Calvin Ridley obviously emerging as the number one guy I think he's kind of overtaking Julio Jones at this point very interested to see how the whole thing works out with that transition there but Julio Jones is a guy in my opinion who deserves a ring somebody I want to see get a ring it's almost like we were just talking about a team who needs a guy to play number two for him who was that ah the Packers hmm interesting it's almost like they need a guy playing alongside Devontae Adams and I feel like you know one draft pick for Julio Jones a first or a second round depending on the offers that come in for Julio hmm hmm <laughs> no but uh on a serious note, the Falcons are taking phone calls, potentially trading for him. Um, it's going to have to be after the June 1st deadline. The reason for that is for those of you that don't know the South, like in terms of like the salary caps, year length, it over, it overlaps and changes into the next year, every June 1st. So the trade would be, have to be after June 1st, after that June 1st, uh, date it would be a 17 uh, not 17 excuse me 7.75 million dead cap number that's spread over two years and if you have not been following the nfl the falcons right now are currently in like a salary cap hell of a situation if they were to trade him now it's like a 40 million dead number so no 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 has to be later on 
Um, they're kind of in a good spot where they can kind of wait and see where how the draft shakes out. If Green Bay doesn't go after a wide receiver in this draft, if you want to go all in on Aaron Rodgers next year and see if you can win a Super Bowl, Green Bay should be banging on that door, offering them a first round or a second round pick and maybe another pick or something like that, depending on how the Falcons are going to value Julio Jones in this situation. He is coming off of an injury riddled season, had a tough year, so not as productive as he used to be, obviously 32 years old slightly declining but if you ask around the league everyone looks at him as the guy in the NFL but I mean I think a first or a second round pick is very reasonable for Julio Jones at this point in his career aging veteran but still talented you know he's not going to put up the numbers he did you know three or four years ago when the Falcons were losing a Super Bowl 28 to 3 in, in with a lead there so I you know not quite what he's going to be doing back then, but he can still be a legitimate guy that's going to take up some of the coverage. People are going to have to count for him. And I think if you had a one-two punch, like that's like such a dream scenario, obviously. I'm just throwing that out there. But like a one-two punch with Julio and Devontae Adams, then you got Aaron Jones in the backfield. If they can retool the offensive line in Green Bay, Green Bay should go after Julio Jones is what I'm saying. If they're not going to draft the wide receiver early, go after Julio Jones. Just go all in. Go all in and push for the Super Bowl, especially if you're not going to keep Aaron Rodgers past next season. Just go all in for it. I don't know. That's all I really have to say about that. Um, but yeah, no, strong possibility that we see uh, Julio Jones in a different uniform next year. It went from being a no-no to, uh, the, you know, it actually might be, depending on what we can get for him. Uh, I think that the Falcons might be more inclined to move him after that June 1st deadline and some offers come in, especially for teams that are really looking to make a push. You know, not a lot of money to take on. And on top of that, like, he doesn't have to be the number one guy on a team that already has a number one wide receiver. You, you know, he can be a number one guy, I think. He, again, not quite as uh, productive as I think he would have been three or four years ago had he gotten moved, but. He's still a guy that can be a solid number one and a solid threat in any system he goes to. Julio Jones is literally one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen play. Uh, and, and even at this age, I would love to have him on the Colts. As a Colts fan, love to have him there. Would not mind having Julio Jones, that's for sure. Um, what else do we got going on? Uh, draft news, outside of what we've already talked about, just kind of some things I picked up on here and there. Um, there has been a lot of talk this year about the trades and just kind of what's going to be going on in the top 10. Here's some things that have come out over the last few days that I, I find interesting that I'll just kind of glaze over real quick for you guys. If you haven't heard everything that's up. So first things first, Tom Pelissero reporting, and this is kind of a surprising one because if you're a Patriots fan or if you followed the Patriots at all, you'll know they are not in any shape or form a team that trades up in the draft, especially for a quarterback. They've never had a reason to in almost 20 years until Brady left. And even then they were never looking to really move. The highest quarterback they took was Jimmy G in the second round. Um, so, you know, they're looking to move up. It sounds like they're eyeing the number seven pick. They have to jump the Broncos and the Panthers because those are two teams rumored to potentially take a quarterback if they fall to them. I don't think they're teams that are going to move up for a QB, but if a QB falls to them, could take them. I'd be shocked to see a team like the Panthers move up in the draft just to try to take a quarterback after going after Sam Darnold. But if, these, if they're sitting there and someone falls in their lap, I guess I could see that scenario. I think someone like Kyle Pitts, at number eight for the Panthers would be good, but what do I know? Uh, the Eagles are also looking to move up back from their number 12 spot. Uh, for those of you that missed that big shakeup in the NFL draft a few weeks ago, the 49ers made that swap with the Dolphins, and, and the Dolphins traded down to the sixth spot where the Eagles were, and the Eagles took down to 12, and you know that whole big trade that went on. They're apparently looking to move back up just in case a player that they want slips. So they're basically just kind of doing like due diligence and asking around, seeing what everyone's kind of 
looking for if they were to move from their spot because teams like the Lions are willing to move. The Falcons have been rumored to move as well. I've read things that said the Bengals are potentially interested in moving at number five. If they don't take Sewell with the number five pick, how the hell do you expect Joe Burrow to stay on the field? He literally went down last year because of injuries and how bad that O-line was. The Bengals have not done enough to be trading out of that spot, unless they're moving down literally two or three spots to take maybe like Rashawn Slater or Darisaw if they want to take him that early. Uh, that's probably the only way I could see that making sense for them. Beyond that, though, uh, apparently the Vikings have also made some phone calls. Uh, they're looking at tackle is kind of what everyone's looking at for them. So if it's someone like Sewell or Slater who's falling far enough, the Vikings could try to slip in there and snatch up their left tackle for hopefully the next 10 years or so. So it sounds like they're looking to move. The Lions are open to trading that number seven pick, which is what apparently the Patriots are eyeing. So the, the top 10 draft like draft picks could literally look totally different come draft day. I expect maybe, not expect, but I have a feeling that there might be a trade done before draft day, uh, maybe within like the final, like, you know, 18 hours or so leading into the draft. Uh, and there is a very strong possibility we see a trade or two literally live as it's happening. So the draft is looking very interesting. There's so much going on as far as the top 10 picks go. At this point, anyone who's made a mock draft is just playing guess games at this point. There, nobody knows for sure what's going on. That's for sure. Uh, but last but not least, certainly, a couple of retirements that came out. And to wrap up the show, linebacker Sean Lee and offensive tackle Marcus Gilbert have opted to retire uh, as we head into this next season. So congratulations to them on both extended careers. I want to say Sean Lee went for 11 years and Marcus Gilbert was around for nine. I could be wrong on those numbers. I didn't look up how many seasons they actually played, but I want to say that those are the numbers that are correct there for them. So shout out to them earn their retirement, earn their fat paychecks. Hopefully they can ride off into the sunset enjoying themselves with all that money they've made. Uh, but outside of that, that's it for today. 49 minutes in, I'm just about ready to wrap up the show with you guys. One more time, I'll just run back the question of the day for anyone who made it through the entirety of this almost hour-long episode. Who is the best non-QB prospect in this draft class? And who would you want your team to take if it's that guy? Kyle Pitts is my answer. Who do you guys got? Kyle Pitts is going to be good in the NFL, man. I would be so shocked if it doesn't work out well. And maybe I'll have to eat my words, but man, Kyle Pitts, is, he should be so good in the NFL. Um, just remember, check out our social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we're all over those places there. Um, just slowly kind of building the building the gridiron gang and whatnot. But uh, check out all of our pages there. You can find us at the Greeks Gridiron on pretty much everything there. Uh, Twitter is at Greeks Gridiron. Everything else is the Greeks Gridiron. But I am Ethan Hersadulu. I appreciate you all for watching today. Enjoy the rest of your week. I will catch you guys same time, same place, Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, new show time. Have a good one, everybody.